So how do you feel about this? I feel good. I, I had read over the questions when you sent them over and I've like reread them multiple times, but I hadn't actually sat down to write anything out until yesterday. Uh Okay. Because I, I realized like I'd probably dwell on it a little too much if I took too far ahead. Yeah. So it was good. But also I realized like, oh, it brings up a lot when I actually take the time to start writing out things in the process yeah, doing that. And it was good. There was a couple questions where I did ask Pat, I'm like, well, how would you answer this? Because, you know, I want to hear from him too. Yeah. Yeah. So I am confident that, well, I hope that God will use this. <laughs> it's our story, but it's really his story. Welcome back to Adventure Parenting with Grace. I am Lori Donahue, and this is the Gospel Parenting Podcast, where we will walk with you through the joys of parenting and the most painful challenges so you can rise with courage, practical strategies, and hope to parent with purpose. How many of you have had or have known someone who has had a genetic abnormality in pregnancy? We are so pleased and so amazed when our pregnancy and birth go as planned. But more often than we care to think about, there are abnormalities. Genetic abnormalities are conditions caused by the changes to the genes or chromosomes. Today we have a podcast that is very difficult, very sensitive, and very sweet. Alex Green is with me this morning, and she is going to share her journey through her pregnancy and delivery of her sweet baby who had a severe genetic abnormality. She was very happy to come on and as you'll see she shared her journey very accurately and very transparently. I gave her the questions ahead of time so she could prepare and she was able to decide what she wanted to share and what she didn't want to share. Her prayer and my prayer alike are that this podcast series will come alongside someone else who might be going through the same things. It's meant to be encouragement and filled with love for those out there that might have similar experiences. We're here this morning with Alex Green, who is a wonderful mom, and she has got some really personal things to share with us, which I am very grateful for. Alex, could you start with telling us a little bit about your family? Yeah, I am married to Pat. We have been married almost 10 years. We're going to celebrate 10 years this coming March. Mm. We have three children. Theo is five. We have Iris, who passed away, and then Remy, who will be one in March. Oh, so wonderful. And I have watched you as a mom, and you're just a wonderful mom. And I just want to share that with everybody. And I want to thank you for coming on because you're going to share with me and the listeners some real personal things. And I am really grateful because this is not easy, but I am praying that others will be touched and God will use this in a mighty way. I would like this morning to talk about that beautiful child, Iris. It was about three and a half years ago or so that you were pregnant with her. Could you tell us about that pregnancy? And I know our listeners are already feeling for you knowing that you lost this child. We would really like you to share your heart. Yeah. So it was actually four years ago now 
Today is actually the anniversary of our first ultrasound with Iris. And it's been four years since that pregnancy. So this was not planned to be the day of the anniversary of that ultrasound, but it just so happens to be. So you were pregnant with your second child. How did that pregnancy go up until that first ultrasound? Yeah, so we were very excited. We had, Theo was just just about one when we decided we were ready for number two. So going into the ultrasound, we were really excited. The day of that ultrasound was really a, actually a beautiful and special day. We got to hear her heartbeat for the first time and see her on the ultrasound and we have a tradition for Valentine's Day where we go to In-N-Out as a family. So Pat had to work Valentine's Day that year. So we actually went the 13th, which is today. And we went with Theo and we took a photo, the four four of us. So it was a photo with Pat and I and Theo and then our ultrasound of Iris. Um, So it was a really (laughs) special celebratory day. At that first appointment is when I did the NIPT blood test. And it was about two weeks later, so about 10 weeks into our pregnancy, that we got a phone call from our doctor that she had tested positive for something called trisomy 18. So early on in your pregnancy, they will do a, a blood test that will test usually for the trisomies, trisomy 18, which is also known as Edwards syndrome. And then there, there's two other trisomies, Down syndrome. And then I actually don't remember the third one, but It's just a a first screening for some of the genetic and chromosomal abnormalities that might occur in a pregnancy. And I'll be very honest that we never did them for the genetics component of them. They often can tell you the sex of the baby early because of that test. Mm -hmm. And so we did it hoping, oh, we'll find out if it's a girl or a boy early on. So then two weeks later, you get this news. What did you make of it at that time? Did you know what trisomy 18 was? I had heard it referred to as Edwards syndrome, not trisomy 18 before. I had worked at a preschool many years before that, and there actually happened to be a family at that preschool that one of their pregnancies, they had Edwards syndrome. So I was familiar with it enough. I didn't know the family real well, but I knew that it was a pretty severe diagnosis. And then I immediately called Pat and said, this is what the doctor just told me. And he was very silent and just said, that is not a great diagnosis. Well, Mm -hmm. and Pat is a nurse. And so he had some experience in the medical profession to understand. Yes. Yeah. He was familiar from his education from nursing school with trisomy Mm -hmm. 18. So it wasn't something new that he had not heard of before. Mm-hmm. How did you process that in the beginning? Did you experience denial? Did you right away feel the depth of it? I would say I felt pretty sure that it was accurate information. So the, the accuracy of that diagnosis actually isn't super high. And so there's mm-hmm. follow-up testing that needs to be done to confirm what the blood test result told us. So two or three days later, we went for our second ultrasound, which was more in depth. They used different equipment that can just show more of the anatomy. And it was at that appointment that we were able to see physically, not just from the blood test, that there was many things 
that just weren't healthy with Iris's development. Mm -hmm. I mean, still pretty limited because we were at that point, probably 10 weeks into the pregnancy. So things are still developing. Mm -hmm. And so they can't see everything, but there was enough markers to confirm the diagnosis. Mm -hmm. So Alex, you are now confronted with this reality that there is an abnormality, but the process took some time. So how did that unfold? So after the second ultrasound where we confirmed the blood test result, from there we did more anatomy scans. So as she grew, we continued to do ultrasounds. And at our second big anatomy ultrasound, it just revealed more. We could see more of her kidneys, Mm -hmm. more of her brain development, and all of those things showed us that things were just not developing in the Mm -hmm. way that they're supposed to typically develop. And the doctor that did that second anatomy ultrasound for us was incredibly helpful and just really Mm -hmm. encouraged us to move forward with something called an amniocentesis. That is where they take a sample of the amniotic fluid and then they will test that. And that will actually give you a nearly 100% accurate result for many different diagnoses. So for us, it was able to tell us that Iris definitely had trisomy 18 full. There's actually Mm -hmm. different types of trisomies. There's mosaic, partial, and full. And each of those has a different life expectancy or outcome. For instance, if her diagnosis had been mosaic, her after birth care would have looked different. There probably would have been more options for intervention and things to prolong her life outside of the womb. But Mm -hmm. we did the amniocentesis and confirmed that she had full trisomy 18, which was very severe. Her condition would not Mm -hmm. improve. There's no cure. There's just physically, there's not much that can be done. What were you told at that point? I'm not great at remembering the percentages of things, but we knew that we would be lucky if we made it to a delivery where she was alive. There was a chance that we could go in for ultrasounds or even during pregnancy that if I was to notice that movement was limited, that she could pass prior to birth, that even the process of going through birth, she may not survive the birth. And then Mm -hmm. if she did survive the birth, likely that she would pass quick within 24 hours. Beauty maybe of social media now is that you can look and find different stories that are somewhat similar to your own. And so I found a couple people who had a similar diagnosis and had seen stories of children that lived a couple months or children that lived an hour after birth. And so Mm -hmm. I think the doctors were preparing us to not really expect anything. Mm-hmm. Did anybody, whether it be in the medical field or elsewhere, suggest that you abort? Early on, that very first ultrasound where they confirmed the blood test result, there is another test that you can do. I, I don't remember what it was called to help confirm the diagnosis, similar to an amniocentesis. And They encouraged us, like, if you're wanting to make a decision to terminate, you'll need to do this test by this period of time. And so that was really the only time that it was part of the conversation. And it was more informative Mm -hmm. of just, 
you need to know the options and this is the time span in which it needs to happen. But we were able to, at that appointment, just tell our doctor that termination just won't be an option for us. And Mm -hmm. we just, Mm -hmm. we don't want it to be brought up again. And it never was. I've I've always been thankful because I really feel like God puts doctors and nurses for the right moment. And so the doctor that did our second big anatomy ultrasound, she had a faith of some kind. It was very clear in the way that she spoke with us that she believed in God and her job maybe challenged her when she had to participate or do things that maybe were counter her personal beliefs. I thought that would be a hard Mm -hmm. balance of personal and medical, but she ended up being the doctor that did our amniocentesis. She just really encouraged me that she said, I wish everybody would do the amniocentesis because the risks are pretty low for an amniocentesis for miscarriage. It's less than 1%, but it would actually like give people accurate information on the diagnosis of their child before they choose the option of termination. So that was encouraging. Yeah. So you chose not to terminate and that kind of is counterculture. It seems like right now, so many in our culture are saying, you know, this baby's not going to survive. Just reduce the pain, terminate now. What made you choose to not terminate and to prolong basically the situation? Yeah. It's a tough decision to make. I mean, it is and mm-hmm. it isn't. To me, it's like the moment I found out that I was pregnant with Iris. I, or just pregnant, I didn't know she was going to be Iris, but I, I loved her. I, I felt a maternal need to protect her and fight for her in the same way that I had been doing for Theo for the last year of his life. So I think maybe partially that just that I had already had the experience of having Theo and knowing what it was to protect and care for him in the same way I felt that for her that she didn't do anything wrong (laughs) she didn't bring this this diagnosis upon herself I didn't do anything to bring this upon her either but I right I needed to fight for her and protect her and there was a part of me that you know I believed I believed that God can heal and I think in that time hoped that that would be the outcome of her story. I'm okay now with the outcome that we have received for her life. But when you're in the process of it, you're kind of just going through it. I think too, for me, it's like you don't know until you continue on in the process what's actually going on. So at 10 weeks, you're so limited on what you know of her anatomy. I really need to get Mm -hmm. to, if I can get to 20 weeks, at 20 weeks, then I'll know more about her and her anatomy and what we're looking at. And we got there and then it was like, okay, there's a chance that she could have mosaic trisomy 18. Let's do this next thing to figure out. Mm -hmm. So I think that there's also that. You'd kind of have to go along with the process before you make Mm -hmm. a permanent decision. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds to me like you are very much one who values life and God's sovereignty over that life. Yes. Yeah. That is another part of it the practical part of me was kind of like okay this is the process of the right thing to do is to see it through but also the reality of she was my child and I don't get to choose her story God created her and God Mm -hmm. gave her to Pat and I even 
being born outside the world, he chose her for us and for us to be her parents and her story. I'm responsible to just be faithful as her mom and being her mom, carrying her as long as God would have me carry her in the same way that I was Theo's mom and he has his own story and I'm doing my best to be faithful to the story that God has for him. Mm -hmm. You have to value the life that God's given you. Even if the story and the road is rough. That's beautiful, Alex. That is just beautiful. Yeah. So you carried her and she did not miscarry. You actually gave birth to her. Yes. What was that process like for you? Yes. So she was born at 36 and 6. So just a day short of full term, which was really miraculous and incredible. God was really faithful to answer so many of the prayers that we had. I mean, I will be honest that there was unanswered things too, but we prayed for so many different aspects of this pregnancy and delivery. And one of the things that I really had hoped for was to not have to be induced or not have to go in for a C-section. Those weren't things that I wanted to do. I would have done them if we needed to, but we had a doctor's appointment in which we went in and the doctor said, we're probably going to have to induce you in the next week. One of the physical challenges that Iris had is that she couldn't swallow. And so I had been retaining so much amniotic fluid that at 36 and 6, I was actually measuring at 42 weeks because I had so much fluid. Basically, we were going to have to be induced because of all the fluid. And I went into labor that night. All in that doctor's appointment and that phone call from our doctor, I went into labor and she was born within 24 hours of that appointment. And that was just an answered prayer. And I will not go into the details of delivery, but I mean, there was emotional trauma from that. But physically, it was very similar to the delivery I had with my son. It was pretty quick. And so there was just things that I was just grateful for. It could have it could have looked very different and been a lot more challenging than it was. Mm-hmm. And it actually was pretty smooth and pretty easy for the circumstances. So God was faithful yeah. to give us a really great team at the hospital too. There was so many nurses and doctors that were just incredibly helpful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Alex, how long did she live? She lived nine days. Oh my goodness. What a journey and... What a young woman. I don't have much to say after that. I think the interview says it all. She has so much yet to share, and we are going to continue hearing from her next week. So be sure to return. And I want to tell you something that she shared with me afterwards. She would be willing to talk to anybody who needs to talk about this. So I have decided that when the series is over or near over, we will set up a Zoom call. And if you are interested in this, you need to email me at lori at kidsstrengthforlife.com. The link is in the show notes. I think it would be wonderful for those that feel they need to talk more about this to hop on a Zoom call. And she will be there and you can ask her questions. She said she is happy to answer any questions. So with that, we are going to close and I am going to say... Uh, Thank you for being here, and remember to rest in the Lord this week. Mm